We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 58. The last couple weeks, I've been giving you a player from the past on the Yankees uh, jersey number that uh, coincides with the episode number. So 58, there's not a lot of 58s over the history of the Yankees. I did find that Alfonso Soriano wore number 58 in 1999. He played nine games for the team then. Everyone thinks, Scott, that he came up in 2001, made an impact as a rookie, which he did. But he actually played two seasons on the on the Major League Club before that. So episode 58 is for uh, Sori, our boy Sori, uh, 1999. I love it. I have a bobble, bobble, an Alfonso Soriano bobblehead right behind me right now. He used to be one of my favorite ball players. He played second base. I was a second baseman. So Soriano with swinging the heavy lumber, the heavy lumber. That dude used to swing a ridiculous bat. So. Um, I didn't know that, so I'm glad you you actually pointed that out because I was unaware that he wore 58 for a little while. I was scraping the bottom of the barrel with number 58. Hey, it's a good find, man. Soriano was 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 definitely a a, a fun Yankee. I was, uh, and now we have uh, another connection to Soriano because he's kind of a mentor to one Starling Castro. Yeah. So zero haters. Yeah, Soriano, I, I think, was definitely a good mentor later in his career. No, I mean, not many people have bad words to say about Sori. 
You can find me on Twitter at Yankees Talk. My name is Andrew Otandi. You can find Scott Reinen at Scott Reinen. Also, definitely follow the show and the website's Twitter handle at Bronx Pinstripes. And you can find all past episodes of the podcast at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast or on iTunes and SoundCloud. So, Scott, how's it going, man? It's good, man. I'm knee deep, knee deep in construction in my house. So, uh, Maddie and I have been, or Mattingly, as as the 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 people who listen to the show know her as, uh, have been living upstairs. <laughs> my wife is gone for a week, so you had the the week of Andrew last week. I have the week of Scott this week, so I have been um, been ordering takeout and drinking beer and uh, painting and just doing all these things around the house. I've been moving bushes and all sorts of crap. Nice. Yes, the week of Andrew came to a sad end last week. The week went by very quick, as you predicted. Today was my first day of work. Um, back, you know, back in the office, I had a nice uh, about a week off, which was nice. The one thing about this new job, though, is that it is business professional. So shirt and tie in the office. Ooh. And I'm not used to that. I didn't know that was a thing anymore. Yeah, it is. Um, and the one thing that I, I, I really am not used to is the tie in the bathroom. The tie in the bathroom? Yeah, you got to swing it over your shoulder. And I'm, oh, I have right, not mastered right, right. that yet. I always forget. And I, it's almost dropping in the toilet or the urinal. It's almost well, you got to leave it sink. a little bit short. You know, you got to go just above well, the yeah, belt. Just above the belt buckle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you see Donald Trump. He's got these ties down to his crotch. And it just looks weird. The, yeah, the Trump collection is a long tie set. Yes, it's a long thick tie set. <laughs> Still, like, he's stuck I'm more, in the seventies. I'm more like I'm more like wind pant casual, like gym casual for for my office. Yeah. So no, that, that's I mean, it, that's if I put pants on that day. Yes, you're, the home there is no more casual office than the home office. My <laughs> my previous office was pretty casual, you know, jeans and and a collared shirt, but it didn't even have to be tucked in. So, but it's like completely opposite because when you when you go when you work from home, you kind of have to get up for for Fridays. So you, I actually dress up for Fridays so I can, <laughs> you know, just like like so it's you, Friday. I got to get I got to really rally sweatpants. Yeah, sweatpants. <laughs> um, they've they've made this like suit with sweatpants now. It's terrific. Yes. Um, no, I do hear what you're saying that when you work from home, if you stay in your pajamas all day or your gym shorts, you just feel you feel gross and you don't feel like you actually did anything. Yeah, no, I, I actually I have a routine where I get up, I I now go to the gym and then I actually get dressed. Right, so you're back on of, the gym kick. Going. How's that back going? Back on the gym kick. Good man, it's going well. I'm uh, I'm I'm past the soreness. So you know, like the first week, you're like really sore, and you're like, I can't go back to the gym because I can't lift my arms and I can't move my legs. So I'm beyond that now, and I'm moving into the starting to feel good again. So yeah, I'm I'm excited and I'm happy that it's uh, that it's going well. Will I even recognize you when I see you in Tampa on March 11th and 12th? Well, only because of the beard. The beard, the beard's unique. I, I, I have, and I'm you, sticking with the beard. You grew a very uh, thick, mountainous beard. Yes, it is. It's since been trimmed down. Uh, it's it's a little bit more under control because my wife was not very happy about it. So this is the happy medium, and. Uh, I think it's going to be around for a little while. I'm pretty excited about it. I didn't know it was possible. And when you realize that a beard is actually possible on your own face, it's exciting. So you ne- you never grew a beard in no, no, 35 I never, years of life before this. I never got to the – I mean I had 
I, you know, I give it a week, a week and a half, but I never really gave it a full shot. I never gave it a a chance for like my mustache to connect to like my jaw. You know what I mean? Like there was always a little gap there and it used to piss me off. So, um, this time I gave it a a real chance. I did it in the dead of winter, beautiful. and, And it came out glorious and I'm very happy with it. Well, if the Yankees grow mustaches again this year, and we, as Bronx Pinstripes team, decide to grow mustaches again, you'll have a pretty good start on everybody. Yes, that would. Uh, that was my idea last time, so I don't know if I'll bring that up again if I have the beard. I may, I may just sit on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I briefly mentioned we are going to be in spring training March 11th and 12th. It's just the two of us. Just the two of us. We can make it if I try. Those aren't the words, are they? Nope. Nope. And I have a terrible singing voice. Anyway, it's the two of us uh, in spring training. So it's going to be a uh, a bromance of a weekend. We are going to be attending the Friday game uh, versus the Orioles, correct? Yes. And you're attending the day before. I'll be there on Thursday as well. Yeah. So uh, the Yankees have a home game at 1 o'clock on Thursday. Scott's going. They have a 1 o'clock home game on Friday. We'll both be there. And then we're debating whether or not we want to go to the road game in Tampa, which is like an hour and a half south of Tampa on Saturday. But uh, if you, if anyone out there is going to be in uh, Yankee Spring Training, March 11th and 12th, definitely let us know. We want to meet up with as many fans as possible. We're going to be trying to get audio from fans, audio from players and media if possible. We'll, we'll stalk them and try and get that. <laughs> but uh, definitely hit us up on Twitter, at Yankees Talk, at Bronx Pinstripes, uh, at Scott Reinen if you're going to be down there. Yeah, and you know we'll be tweeting and sending out pictures, and we'll probably we'll, we'll do some uh, – some video, some live video on Periscope, and I don't know. We'll pull out all the stops. We'll pull out all the apps. You will, you will know very well that we are at spring training. Definitely, we're we're gonna do our podcast, which uh, our weekly podcast, which will be the first time we ever record face to face, and we'll also be doing some daily recap podcasts. So a lot of content coming out of those two days, which which is good. Uh, another thing we want to mention is definitely check out the fan shop, the Meet Me at the Bat shirt. Has been on sale for for a week or two now. It's uh, I think one of uh, the coolest shirts that uh, has ever been designed by Bronx Pinstripes. So definitely check that out. Anything else you want to talk about with the fan shop, Scott? Yeah, I have uh, probably three or four more designs that are going to be coming out before the season starts. So I'm kind of putting some finishing touches and working on those. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag of what they are. Some of them are related to some of the people that play in New York. Um, and some of them are about the old Yankee Stadium. So definitely trying to keep things close to home. And yeah, I'm excited about them. So definitely check it out. If it's uh, if you haven't been there in a while, it's... Uh, the fan shop has kind of relocated a little bit. You can get to it still from bronxpinstripes.com, but I've moved it to a subdomain, so now it's shop.bronxpinstripes.com. So um, definitely check it out. And yeah, the Meet Me at the Bat, the first presale ended uh, last week, so we're getting all, we're printing and getting all those shirts out early this week so that everybody will have them soon. And then we're going to actually do another round of that too. So yeah. Excited! How we got Bronx pinstripes hats coming out. I those, mean, those just came are, in. They look those freaking are ridiculous. In fuego. Yeah, they look sweet. Those are good looking. They look really cool. So, um, yeah, that's my second favorite hat all time now. It might climbing up to the first just because I have, it's, I have a personal very deep connection with it. But um, yeah, I'm excited about that. There's there's cool stuff, man. We're gonna be putting all sorts of cool stuff. I I, I talked to our print shop and like, there's so many cool things that we can do with embroidery and and just like design 
throughout all of the 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 t-shirts and sweatshirts and um, i'm gonna get crazy and there's gonna be some cool stuff coming out so definitely definitely keep it in, in in on your uh on your radar awesome and hopefully everybody out there enjoyed the first week of featured columns we've been plugging it for a little while we are six days in now because tonight is monday night so adam posted his uh juicy headline of a featured column today <laughs> I saw that come through. Um, it definitely enjoyed reading that. But the first week of featured columns was awesome. I think I wrote in mine on Friday that reading all of them just got me, you know, super excited, super amped for the for the start of the season, more so than I've been in recent years, I think. And also because we've been doing this podcast for the entire off season, just starved for headlines, starved for stories, and finally we're getting closer and closer. We're inching closer to the start of the season. Well, and you know, this is this is going to be our second full season of doing this podcast as well. It'll be our sixth going into our sixth season for the actual website too. So we've come a long way. And RJ actually just put in I didn't this is something that, that kind of bypassed me. I'm gonna put it on Twitter, but your feature column on Friday was our four thousandth article that we mm-hmm. posted to Bronxpinstripes.com. That's crazy. That is a lot of content that's gone out in the last five years. It's really it's just it's it's a testament to everybody who's been working really hard on this site and um and you know just looking back and, and seeing where we are now it's exciting to to know that you know we have a lot of people listening to our show here people there's i mean the traffic is uh significantly higher than than even last year you know since we joined yes network so uh we really thank everybody for listening thank you for reading and uh, you know just know that we appreciate it and it we love putting out this content for you guys and that for those four thousand articles that's coming from a very small group of people so you know you you might think oh four thousand over six years doesn't sound like a lot but that's a lot when you consider it's only really a handful of people and you know we're growing which is great and everyone's contributing more now which is awesome to see but for the for the bulk of those six years it's, it's a small group of people that have been posting yeah i mean again this thing started and you know we had a question from uh uh, a guy on who follows me on Twitter, and I'm going to get your name before the end of the show. I'll look it up. But um, he asked me to kind of go over how Bronx Pinstripe started. So uh, this is this wasn't on our rundown, Andrew. So I'm just going to go off real script. Um, and and just a, a short short version. But if you really want to know more about Bronx Pinstripes, go back and check out our first episode. And Andrew and I really talk about like how Bronx Pinstripe started and the kind of the whole story behind it. But Basically, long long story short, I started this thing six years ago, and it was basically just me writing and creating graphics and following people on social media and trying to just build a Yankees audience just because I love the Yankees, and it was something that I wanted to do just as a hobby, and it was it was fun for me. So I started doing that, and... And Andrew, I put a, I actually put a, a message out on Twitter, I think it was, saying that, hey, I'm looking for writers. Anybody wants to come on? This is when we were nyyuniverse.com, by the mm-hmm. way. And um, Andrew was the first person that, that, was, that came on board. And so he was, uh, he was employee number two, first hire. And he was the, uh, the first writer. Number. Derek Jeter. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Andrew was the first guy that came on. And, um, and so – that that's kind of how it started, and honestly, it's just it's just slowly progressed naturally. I mean, there's everything has been organic about Bronx Pinstripes. I mean, nothing has you know we haven't had like a crazy thing happen over the past six years. It's just slowly, gradually, we've we've gotten more traction. More people have followed us. More people are reading, and and then we add more writers because we have more people and we want to cover more areas. So 
that's kind of how it started and, and, and where we are today. So it's been a lot of fun, man. And I, 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 you know, we're just, we're getting so much momentum. It's, it's, I can't wait to see what is going to happen in the next couple of years. Cause I think, uh, we're on to some big things. Yeah, and you say six years in, it's a long time, but I almost feel like we're just getting started. I think we're starting to, to really figure out how to do this and where we want to go with the website So and podcasts and everything to do with the website. So I couldn't be more excited. Um, all right, so I just want to plug my upcoming featured column, which will be uh, the Yankees, or not Yankees specific, it is the Baseball Academy Awards. So the Oscars are coming up next weekend. So I did a little Baseball Academy Awards for you. Um, had to do some digging on research into some some past uh, things from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So it was actually pretty fun to put together. So keep an eye out for that on Friday. All right, last bit of uh, website stuff before we get into the Yankees is the Yankees social page, which you can find directly from the Bronx Pinstripes homepage. We've talked about this on previous episodes, but it's a really cool page where you designed it. So all of the Yankees who are on Twitter, it pulls all of their recent tweets and puts them on one page. So if you want to follow the Yankees and the guys in their system, go to this page because it's all right there. You don't even have to go through Twitter. You can reply to them, retweet them, favorite, whatever you want to do right from that page. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's just consolidates. I know for me, it's hard to, to see. There's so much noise on Twitter, first of all. And then, I mean, obviously you can you can create lists and things like that to, to follow people. But again, it's a, it's a one swipe vertical. If you're on a computer, this one kind of lays it all out and you can see what they've been tweeting about like in bulk uh, at and see everybody's tweets at one time. So it's really easy to follow. So yeah, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool page. We're going to start adding more like resource pages like that for you guys to the website. Um, just because this one's been a pretty big hit and I know people are bookmarking it so they can go back and check it out. So definitely, definitely, uh, definitely check it out. It's pretty cool. So, all right, let's get into some Yankee stuff. Uh, towards the end of this episode, we will preview the White Sox and Mariners. And we also got a voicemail about the rule five draft that we're going to get into towards the end of the show. But uh, so Yankee stuff, all position players will report this Wednesday, February 24th. Um, it's just been pitchers and catchers the last week, but everyone will be there this week, which is good. Um, bit of news, bit of notes over the past week we want to touch on. Uh, the first being the Yankees, I think today signed Chris Parmalee, who's sort of a depth first baseman, obviously with the Greg Bird injury. The Yankees have a whole depth at first base. Um, this isn't a huge splash, but it's um, it's something to bring in where this... Parmalee kind of got a spring training invite to see how he looks, how he plays. He has an outside shot at making the roster. Maybe if someone else gets injured, God forbid. But uh, he could make the AAA team at least. You know what he is, though? He's a free agent signing in the offseason. So, I mean, this is still considered offseason, is it not? So we signed a free agent. That's something. Um, but yeah, Chris Parmalee is basically a depth move. That's I mean, that's the way I see it. He's the guy. He's he's a 28 year old journeyman. Basically, plays first base. He he has some experience in the outfield as well. So he gives you a little bit more flexibility. But in my opinion, he's a he's a guy they're going to look take a look to see what he is. If if. I mean, it could be a number of things. One, they could they could put him in the minor leagues, have him play at AAA, or this could be a guy that we may see later in the year, and he's just you know they're taking a look to see what he is, um, and then and then could be a guy that we'll see later. I personally believe that they're not going to sign anybody big at first base. Obviously, we, we we've 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 seen that no one's going to take the bird 
spot, but you're going to see journeymen like Chris Parmalee. You're going to see guys like, you know, Garrett Jones or Doug McCavish. These type, those type of guys, I think, circulate and, and kind of rotate through that first base uh, position if we do need one. So that, that's the type of guy I see uh, filling that role. Yeah. So what you're saying is the Yankee fans can no longer complain that they haven't signed a free agent, right? Yeah, I'm just saying it's it's now it's in history that we did sign a free agent. <laughs> Parmalee. Chris Parmalee, yes. A lot of vowels in that name. But he's a, uh, you know, depth, a lot of depth, a lot of a lot of ease, a lot of depth. Um some other stuff that uh happened today, I think I saw something uh posted on the site that Beltron is really wants to um he he wants to be a mentor to Aaron Judge, which is awesome. Awesome to see. I think he requested uh, his locker being put next to him. So it's nice to see Beltron, who is probably going to retire after this year, on his way out. Been you know a great career, outside shot at the Hall of Fame. He wants to go out mentoring a young guy. That's awesome to see. You know, I, he so Beltron requested Judge's locker be next to his so that he could spill some knowledge. And this this came from. Uh, NJ.com, I think, and they talked to basically the, the the locker or the equipment guy, and he was he gave some insight on this. Basically, what this boils down to me is Beltron knows that this is his last year, and he knows that the heir apparent in right field is most likely going to be Aaron Judge. So why not build a you know a friendship, some kind of a kinship where they can talk, a little bit of a mentorship. Just, I mean, it's not like Beltran plays right field very well, <laughs> but it is he the spot that Judge. Point. He did at one point. He was, yeah, you're absolutely right. Just not today. So he, he I mean, he knows how to play the position. Bodies sometimes just don't work out uh, in the long run, so that you can play it until you're 40 years old. And that's what Beltran is. He's going on 40. So this is a good move. I like that. It's a team move. It's it's a, a mentor. You know, this guy's going to be up, and I'm going to give you what I know uh, about playing right field and being a professional. I like it. It's nothing but positive. It also shows you that the Yankees have confidence that Judge is going to be the next starting right fielder for them. Yeah, I mean, Beltran didn't pull it out of out of out of you know nowhere. He he definitely sees the writing on the wall that Judge is the guy. So I mean, Judge has work to do. There's no doubt. We know what he did in Double A. Uh, he's got some things to prove, I think, in Triple A. Some some holes in that swing to 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 fix and fill out and be more consistent. So he definitely has some work to do to get to that point. But I mean, all the writings on the wall that that Judgment Day, if you will, is coming. Um. Also, that happened this weekend was the bullpen session heard around the world. On Saturday, I woke up to tweets from every baseball writer that's associated with the Yankees. They were just gushing over Chapman, Batances, and Miller, and CeCe throwing a bullpen session. You would have thought it was opening day. That's how excited everybody was on Twitter for this. I really think that when Chapman came to spring training and these guys are finally getting their eyeballs on him, which I am very excited to see, he was even more of a freakish athlete than they were expecting. I mean, he's a big dude. He's strong. He's just he's just got that look of a professional athlete. And I think, you know, obviously everybody knows the 104, 105 miles per hour. And when you see it in person, I think it's just – it's it's extremely it's extremely noteworthy and and yeah they were they were gushing and excited and and honestly I think rightfully so we've been waiting a long time after we heard t- 
to see these three together. And the fact that they're meshing off the field and it seems like everybody's happy with their situation, it's exciting. And uh, so, yeah, this was this was cool. And then CC obviously coming back. It was a big is a big thing because you know he left on uh, on on some some indifferent terms when he went to the alcohol rehab so it's good to see him back. Yeah, let's talk about that. So CC spoke to the media about his decision to go to rehab. He said it was one of the hardest decisions in his life that's that's stating the obvious. He said he was scared, but overall he thinks it was the right decision and he he does feel like he's he's cured that he's better. One interesting thing that he did say, though, was that he doesn't feel it will be an issue going out with teammates. And if they're drinking, he's not going to feel the need to drink because he said his issues were when he was alone in the hotel room is he would he would pound booze. It's not when he was out to to drinks or or dinner with his teammates. So, I mean, he's saying all the right things. It seems like he's got it under control. I don't really know if he should be going out with teammates. Um, I'm sure they'll keep an eye on him and they're not going to be bad influences and all that stuff. But but uh, I think it's something to watch uh, over the next, over this season. Yeah, and I think it, it really just kind of plays into what we, what we heard when this all broke out is that a lot of people were very surprised. And I think that reinforces the fact that he really wasn't abusing alcohol when he was around other people. It was something that he was concealing. It was something that he was hiding. It was very personal to him, and it was it was uh, behind closed doors. So, I mean, it seems like even before when he had the problem, he was kind of controlling himself around people. And maybe that was just because he didn't want people to see, and he didn't want to be exposed. I I, I don't know. It, you know, to me, it's a very personal thing. And if he claims that he can be fine out with the guys then then that's fine. But you're right. I think a lot of the guys are obviously going to be conscious that CeCe's there knowing what he went through to to be on their best behavior. So, look, I just hope he's better. I, I really do for, as, a, as CeCe as a man because I think when CeCe as a man is doing well, CeCe as a baseball player will be a hell of a lot better. I just don't want to see him go out with teammates and then you find out on TMZ Sports you see a picture of him throwing a shoe or losing a shoe at, at a nightclub in Toronto. Right. I mean, it's just those situations where you have a problem, you were man enough to admit it, you went to get help, awesome, good for you, you were a man about it, do the right thing this year, don't, I don't know if you should be going out with teammates or whatever, um, you know, I just, I don't, I don't want to see him relapse for a number of reasons, one, because it's going to hurt the team, and also because, it's, you know, I like, I like him as a player and a person, and I just don't want to see that happen to somebody, but... I don't know. I just I would like for CC to uh, to really be careful this year. Um, so I also wanted to touch on Chapman. Uh, we put up an article the last couple of days that said Chapman intends to appeal if he does get suspended. I think every week we've been saying that Manfred and MLB is going to come down with a ruling, and it just hasn't happened yet. I know the situation. Do you see the situation with Jose Reyes today in the Rockies? I didn't see Reyes. I, I heard rumors about what's possibly happening with Chapman, but no, I didn't see Reyes. Well, so he's basically not reporting to camp with the Rockies. Um, right. They, they said his, for, his situation is different. Though, it's different. It's different. Yeah. But he's on this list where you know he's gonna get suspended probably, but he's just waiting. The Rockies said we don't want to deal with this right now. It's better if you just stay away until until we figure out what's going on. Obviously, the Chapman situation is different. Um, the Yankees have in open their arms to Chapman. We've realized that it's probably not as bad as we initially thought with all those reports. There were no charges um, actually filed against Chapman, which is good news. 
but he could still get suspended and he's going to appeal if he does get suspended. So they're talking about suspensions and the rumors have been flying about about the Chapman ruling and apparently it's going to be coming down in the near future. There, there's a couple things I'm thinking about this. One, I mean, you know when when someone gets busted for steroids or PEDs or whatever, they always know about it well before anybody else does. Any before the beat writers, before uh, before any other fans, they know what's going to happen like months before what actually comes down. You know, months may be an exaggeration, yeah, but but surely story, weeks, infamous, surely weeks. Infamous story. Sorry to interrupt you. Infamous story with Rafael Palmero, who they. Yeah. They told him he was going to get suspended, but he was like four hits away from three thousand, and they let him go out and get it, and then he got suspended. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's time and time again, time and time again. You know that these you hear that these guys heard well before when it actually broke that they were going to be suspended, and they knew about it. So, so this my 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 theory on this is. Jose Reyes knew he was going to get suspended in a long period of time. He already knows that, so he's not showing up. That's why. Chapman is is here, going through everything, starting to starting to throw with the Yankees. You know, making making uh, making appearances with the team, obviously, because I already feel like the Yankees and Chapman know what's going to happen. And they're they're talking about a ban from from spring training is what the rumor is that he's going to be banned from spring training. That could be part of his his suspension and. And, or just banned from spring training as his suspension. And look, we don't know. This is all speculation. This is all just for, you know writers trying to get headlines, people looking into things. To me, I think the Yankees and Chapman know what's going to happen already. And that's why I think he's there. And that's why I don't think it's going to be as bad as, as, you know, as anybody thinks. So, why, why say you're going to intend to appeal it then? Because I think it may be something – I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I, I think it's going to be a smaller one. And I think if it gives him uh, the spring training, if, if, that, if it's also including the spring training, he may appeal at that so he can get his work in. It may be something along those lines. I'm not sure. There's, there's just – I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I do believe that the Yankees know what's going to happen already. I think it's too late in the game for them not to know. Yeah, that is true. It's pretty late in the game. I don't know what suspending a guy for spring training would do. I almost feel like that would, uh, if that would almost be like helping them. It's like I, when I, football players with... get suspended for uh, the if they can't go to a preseason game. Like I don't care. It's not I like Chad, not they can't go hire a guy on Craigslist to catch him, <laughs> and and you know and get his work in. You know, I'll do uh, it. I'm available. I used to yeah. be a catcher. I would like to see you catch 105 miles an hour. What I would, I would, I would do, I would actually pay to see that. I would, I would have the full catcher's gear on, but I would also have hockey pads on. <laughs> yeah. I'd wear like 12 cups. I would wrap my hand in it, like as many rolls of uh, padding as you could, and I would get one of those giant, you know, that glove out in left field at AT and T Park in San Francisco. It's not going to hit your hand. You're going to close your eyes, and it's going to hit you square in the face. I know. So you need to you need to protect your face. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Your hand's not going to be anywhere near it. You're going to you're going to shriek, and then it's going to hit you right in the grill. Ten ten fastballs from Chapman. How many would you catch? Um, I don't know. Because I feel he, like he'll hit the glove. So you put the glove out. He'll hit the glove. Oh God. If, well, I think if I catch one or two, then I'll, I would catch more, I would catch probably all of them after that. It, it depends when I would catch the first one. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. If, if I catch the first, if I catch one or two, I, I think I'd be okay. 
Yeah. I, but I think it's, it, it's all in the beginning. It's all if I can if I can squeeze the first one or two. Yeah, I think this squeezing would be tough because it, it's almost like hitting your glove before you even have time to react to squeeze. I just, you know, you'd, I'd have to really talk to myself and just like just just I'd smack myself in the face a hundred times. <laughs> probably drink like five cups of coffee, and then again just like smack myself in the face more and more and more until I get really just jacked up until I couldn't feel anything else but that ball hitting my hand, and then I would just black out. Hopefully for ten pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of the Yankees bullpen, it was some news that the Yankees had a deal on the table with Tommy Hunter uh, for two years between eleven and a half and twelve million bucks. So pretty decent contract, six million bucks a year. Um, but they backed out because of the health concerns, and it turns out he he had surgery and he wasn't fully healthy. He ended up signing a one year, two million dollar deal with the Indians, so way way less than he was going to get with the Yankees. Do we know if this was before or after the Chapman deal? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. um, but I, I don't I think it affects it. I don't think it affects it either way. Well, I think it I think it would. I no, I don't. Because I believe that once 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 Cashman saw the 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 stakes how low they got for Chapman, I think he would jump on him no matter what. Tommy Hunter is a is a, a shot in the dark. I mean, has, this guy yeah, but it, it has over the not, past couple of years has been terrible. I agree, but it has nothing to do with um you know, bringing in another guy that you know, like Tommy Hunter, to add to the mix of the bullpen, it was spending eleven, twelve million bucks on him. I just, I wouldn't, I don't think that's logical for the team. I mean, we, they've said they're pretty much on a budget. They want to get under the one eighty nine threshold. They're gonna owe, I think they owe thirteen million bucks or eleven to twelve million bucks to Chapman this year. They're already paying Miller a ton of money. They're not going to give Hunter six million a year. I just I know, but we don't know how much of that was incentive laden. There's a lot of different things that could have gone into that contract. True. That that were you know stipulations of it. So I mean, Tommy Hunter obviously has something to prove. He's not a back end of the bullpen guy, in my opinion, for for this team. No. So he would be a bridge guy, which which to me, like I, I just don't see it as a as a. I don't see them them affecting each other. I like that deal for Cleveland though. One year, two million bucks. See what you got. Yeah. Why not? I mean, that's. That's that that proves to me that he's in that he's hurt that something's not right. That's oh, what that's that's what that sounds like. True. Yeah. I mean, he's probably like god damn it I had 6 million bucks a year on the table. What yeah. happened? Yeah. You didn't um, pay that doctor enough money. Yeah. <laughs> um all right. So a lot of people we actually got a Twitter suggestion to talk about the Yankee ticket policy. This has been news for about a week about a week where the Yankees are no longer going to allow print at home tickets which essentially takes secondary ticket markets like StubHub out of the out of the race for Yankees tickets pretty much because if you can't print them at home how are you going to get them um the Yankees and StubHub have kind of been at odds for a number of years the Yankees have, are trying to get their secondary market called the Yankees Ticket Exchange off the ground basically they want to not only have the first market but the second market on on all their game tickets all that is is understandable because it comes down to dollars and cents. The Yankees want to sell their tickets for face value, but then they don't want you to then be able to go sell it for 25% more. They would like to get some of that profit as well. It's a business. I understand that. The issue really came up was um, Lawn Trust, who is the CEO, COO of the Yankees, the comments he made about it. I'm not going to read it because I'm sure everyone's read it by now. Basically saying he didn't want 
someone to buy a ticket for very cheap and sit next to somebody who paid a lot of money for a luxury ticket like in the legend uh, legend box seats which on the face of it it's just you got to question why he would say something like that and um, seem like he's pretty out of touch with the average fan which let's face it should be their primary audience so obviously we know that the Yankees are uh, they've been a, a machine for a long time as far as making money and and doing and just being. We've always had higher ticket prices than a lot of other uh, a lot of other teams. The Yankees are good at making money. That's what they've always been good at. This I think rubs people the wrong way just because of some of the comments that were said. Look at the end of the day, what the Yankees are about, like you said, with the with the ticket prices, is or with the ticket, the way that they're controlled. They want to control the tickets. In essence, yep. they want to control the tickets. They want the money to go back into the into the team. And like you said, it's a business. That's what they're trying to do. They have a, a Yankees secondary market, the Yankees Ticket Exchange. So of of course, the Yankees Ticket Exchange is trying to compete with StubHub. If you're looking at this as a business aspect, it makes all the sense in the world why why it's happening. I think the 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 comments were look, the, what what's going on has nothing to do with the comments. It, it has nothing to do with it. It's all about the dollars and cents. And I think what the biggest thing is 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 now uh, Yankees fans have to it's it's the guy who's getting out of work and sees cheap tickets to that that goes to buy them at five o'clock for the seven o'clock game, and he can't print those tickets out. Unless there's, you know, unless he gets them on StubHub and goes to the local StubHub exchange, the the brick and mortar StubHub, and gets the physical ticket, there's not going to be a mobile exchange anymore because they don't have the barcodes. I read something about StubHub not having the API. It, the API was not released so that they have the barcodes for their mobile tickets. So is this something that's going to be very different? Yes, it's going to be different. People have to adjust to it. People are going to have to figure out how they're going to get tickets. I think a little bit more ahead of time, and uh, you know, being Getting tickets at the very last second probably won't be as much of an option. So, and look, it could take people out of the stadium. It could absolutely take people out of the stadium. Yes, we we've seen on it like will a, take people a random Tuesday game against the the Baltimore Orioles or the Cleveland Indians. The stadium's like half full at best. They may announce forty two thousand people, but there's really like thirty thousand people there. Maybe now there'll be twenty five thousand or twenty two thousand, or I don't know how low it'll get, but I don't know how many people actually get their tickets off StubHub, StubHub, but it's a good portion. It's, you know, I, I think what I didn't realize the, the, what, when StubHub was talking about the API not being released, I don't know how many other secondary markets that or secondary ticket exchanges that affects as well. Um, if it, or if it was, I assume it was not just StubHub that it wasn't released to. I assume it wasn't released to the broad scale of the rest of these guys. So I'm interested to see how that works with, with other guys. Uh, Tick IQ has been a, a has, has been a partner of ours for a few years. They put all of the, the you can go to Tick IQ and, and, and see a whole bunch of other ticket exchanges and, and buy you know the best price, whatever. You have more options. So I'm, I'm just curious as to how they all are being affected by this. But it definitely seems like you're going to have to uh, plan more ahead. I, I'm interested to see if, this, if, if there is more news as as the season gets closer with this API. If 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 it is released and StubHub and other people like StubHub can quickly figure out how to get mobile tickets uh, that are not the printed home tickets, but it's a separate ticket with a barcode because that's what you need. You need that barcode. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's an ongoing story, and I think I think there will be. I don't think this is the the last thing we're going to hear about this. I think it's going to be definitely ongoing. Yeah, it's already expensive enough to go to a game. 
especially when you factor in food and beer and all that stuff, which I know you don't have to get at a game, but if I'm going to a baseball game, I'm getting food and beer. So this just makes it a little bit more expensive, which pisses people off. I totally understand. Well, and frankly, if the ticket's already sold, uh, I'm, I'm talking about this just completely off the cuff right now because I, I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking back to some of my college courses when we were doing when it, when I was when I was uh, in like you know um, management you know for for facility management I took a couple uh, class on that and I, I the the team actually loses money per seat if the person doesn't show up because what when they show up they're buying hot dogs are buying beer. Like you said, they're mm-hmm. buying a program, they're buying a hat, whatever. And whether that guy shows up or not, Yankee stadium still pays the vendors to be there. They're still paying the guys who are selling the beer, the guys that are selling the hot dogs, the guys that are selling the hats, those guys are still going to be there and still being paid. So if that person, if that, if that fan does not show up for the $40 ticket, that they paid face value and then they can't sell it the last second to somebody else for even 30 bucks, Honestly, the Yankees are losing money on that on that fan because they're not going to get the the extra revenue from what that person would spend at the ballpark. So, it's you know if you look at the whole story, it's 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 just it's interesting what's going to happen. But I think I think we're gonna we're gonna see. I think we will see changes on how uh, you can get tickets mobily. I th- I have a feeling that's going to change at some point. Yeah, and and what what Truss was saying about how. He doesn't. He, they don't like if someone pays a substantial amount of money for a ticket, and then they put it up on StubHub to to resell it because they don't want to go to the game or they can't go to the game. They can't sell it for whatever four hundred dollars face value. They end up selling it for fifty bucks or whatever it is, and then they don't. The Yankees don't like that essentially. But how often does that really happen? I've never seen a box seat. On StubHub for that. Cheap. Well, I, I think he was just talking more hypothetical of, of a guy paying a premium ticket it? and it then does, someone it else never coming happens, in. So why say it? Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I, I, I you agree. Get cheap bleacher seats two hours before the game. You get cheap seats in the 400 section, not in the legend suite. And who cares who's sitting out in the bleachers? <laughs> Everybody's loaded in the bleachers. Who cares if you paid $14 or $7? It's a sticking point for a lot of fans. I, I, I totally get it. And I think this is going to be a situation that we really do need to continue to monitor and see how it changes. Because, you know, I think I really do believe that there's going to be changes to the mobile ticket. And and it's all around that API. If it is, if it is. And it, for those of you, if I'm talking Chinese to you and the API, it's basically the the code that that allows other ticket ticket brokers to sell and to use the mobile barcodes digitally on their own system. So, you know, they have to purchase this or they license it somehow and then it goes to their system and they and they use it for 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 tickets that are purchased on their system to to provide a mobile ticket or the barcode that you see at uh, on the printed home ticket. So, that's where that it's all digital information basically that is sold to another uh, party. Yeah, and that's why you always see stupid stories of people tweeting out pictures of tickets to concerts or games they got, but they tweet the barcode out, and then someone could just rip that barcode off. Yeah, I mean, you see the barcodes and QR codes and all that. You can if you if you have it, you can use it. That was another thing the Yankees put out there. They said they were trying to eliminate fraud, which I understand. There's a very small element of that, and maybe more than I than I even know about. 
But that's not the reason it was done. Yeah. The reason it was done, and I think you and I both agree on this, it has nothing to do with who's sitting in what seats. Yep. It has nothing to do with fraud. It has everything to do with the Yankees as doing this as a business decision to make to uh, to make more money on the dollar. And Which they are a business at the end of the day. It's still capitalist. capitalist society. Yes. This Bernie Sanders has not taken over yet. <laughs> And and people can make money and and profit. So that's that's what they're trying to do. So. And, and I'll say it again. I have no problem right. with a corporation trying to make more money. I have a problem with them blowing smoke up my skirt. All right. Ready to preview the Chicago White Sox? So baseball prospectus has them going 82 and 80, which is essentially 500. But that is actually second in the AL. Um, they have the Indians winning. The AL division. Central. What did I say? AL. AL Central. They have the Cleveland Indians winning the Central with, I think, the best record in the American League. Um, And they only have Kansas City winning 76 games, which would seem... If the Kansas City Royals only win 76 games, something happens. Someone got injured. I I think they'll win more than 76. But uh, regardless, they think the White Sox are going to be a contender for the playoffs, and so do I, because they brought in Todd Frazier, who... We saw him at the uh, All-Star Game and Home Run Derby. You know, he, he might not be the best third baseman in baseball, but he's a real solid player. He adds legitimacy to the middle of that order. Um, they acquired Brett Lowry, uh, but, and they signed Matt Latos, who I know you think is a jackass. I think Brett Lowry is a bigger jackass, but I'll get to that later. <laughs> they lost uh, Samarja and Alexi Ramirez. Samarja's a name. He got a lot of money from the Giants, but he had a crappy year last year. Yep. And, and Alexi Ramirez, I'm actually surprised they didn't try and retain. He's sort of been the kind of face of the White Sox over the last few years. I know he's not a great player, but... Um, yeah, he's, I mean, it's really not a huge loss. It's not. And it's almost like a wash with him and Brett Lowry. Right. Um, I agree. But, minus, the, minus their personalities. <laughs> but I think when you add up all their, their parts of their roster, while one player might not be stunning other than chris sale chris sale i think is one of the best pitchers in the game he's got filthy stuff um they're a very balanced team and i think that makes them a definite contender in the american league yeah i totally agree with you i think they have they have a lot of uh stability throughout it i think the todd frazier acquisition is a big one i mean i I think the kid's a stud i mean he he obviously we know what he does with the long ball we saw what he did in the home run contest he's a jersey boy how do you not love the kid i i i wanted some weird thing to happen and him somehow land on the yankees i knew it wasn't going to happen but it would have been awesome but um yeah the, the, he he definitely brings a, a lot of thump to the middle of that lineup especially you know going to be batting either before or after uh jose abreu so that's that's a big deal. Um, obviously, they they still have Melky Cabrera, Brett Lowry. While, like you mentioned, is a jackass off the field or on the field, off the field, everywhere. I just can't stand the dude. He's definitely one of my most hated opponents. Right. Why? <laughs> I gotta I gotta know why. Because he mouths, man. Don't you not remember he when he was playing for the Blue Jays? Him just being so mouthy the entire. I think I think CC was pitching. And I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the game. I remember him hitting the home run off of CeCe. CeCe got like five innings. It was a typical CeCe outing. He did really well through five and a third. He was in the sixth inning. And Lowry, uh, CeCe hangs a change up, and Lowry just puts it in the left field bleachers. And, and, you know, he's just animated. He's just a douche. He's just one of those guys that I can't stand looking at. He's constantly running his mouth. And, you know, honestly, I didn't really have any problem with him until last year. I didn't even – he wasn't even on my radar until last year. 
and and then I and then I saw like all of his antics and the way he com- he communicates and, and carries himself, and I just can't stand the dude. Mattingly doesn't like him either. No, I know. She, uh, let's get to the real jux of this, though. Did he screw you in fantasy? No, I'm telling you, it was oh. purely watching the game and him just being a complete ass, and I just couldn't stand. He's never he, been good enough to actually hate that much, though. But he hit a very big home run off CC. I remember that. I remember the pitch. He hit a very big home run, and he was he was mouthy. Uh, he was animated, and he and he was doing it before that too. He cries at, uh, when a when a pitch doesn't go his way. Watch him this year. Keep an eye on Brett Lowry, and you'll know why he pisses me off. I'm not going to keep an eye on Brett Lowry because he's not important enough to keep an eye on him. Fine, just just when we're playing the White Sox, make a mental note. Okay, that Brett Lowry is a jackass, and you'll see why. I will. He'll, he'll come. He, he can't hide it. I'm it's writing it down now. Brett Lowry, space jackass. Jackass. Yes. Um, you were saying? That's it. He's just a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand the dude. Uh, but he's he's a, a decent offensive player. He was also traded for. Um, it wasn't the Blue Jays. I'm totally wrong with that, by the way. He started with the Blue Jays, got traded for Josh Donaldson to, to the Oakland Athletics, and he had a he was playing with the so, Oakland. So he was playing with Oakland when he hit. So this was think, last yeah. year. Yeah, I'm very confused now, but I think so. Yeah, you uh, you might be mixing up Brett Lowry with somebody. No, I'm definitely not mixing anybody up with Brett Lowry. I know who Brett Lowry is. It's okay. definitely him. Yeah, I think he was with the with the A's. So uh, the douchebag Brad Lowry uh, will lead the White Sox to a what record? What do you? Th- where do you think they'll be in that division? I think it's going to be close to what baseball prospectus has. I just don't think their order is correct. I think we're going to see what we saw last year is that that AL Central just being really a dogfight. I think those teams, a lot of these teams, are very very similar yeah. with the Indians, the White Sox, the Royals. They're all very balanced teams. There's nobody that... Even the I, Twins. Even the Twins, you're right. There's I think no, the one there's team no that, stinky team in that division. Yeah. The, the the big star power, I think, is on the the Tigers, but I guess they're, they're a bunch of names. But when you look up and down the White Sox, they're starting to add more names. I mean, they the Todd Frazier's, they have, they have uh, D-Rob at the back end locking down the... doing his Houdini act in the ninth. So Melky's there. They have a lot of stability. I think that because the division is very balanced in the central, no one's going to run away with it like the um, Royals did last year. I think the Royals would be a hell of a lot better than 76 wins, but I could see 88, 89 wins definitely winning that division. All right, so let's get on to the Robbie Cano-led Mariners, who Baseball Prospectus has them going 84 and 78, also finishing second in their division, the AL West. Um, Robbie Cano. What do you think his third season is going to be like with the Mariners? The first season seemed to be very good. All roses. He finished fifth in the American League MVP voting. He was gushing about how much he loved the city and how much they embraced him. And then the second season was pretty bad. I think um, he had an awful first half. He had stomach issues. He had a little bit of a bounce back second half to get his numbers respectable. But then after the season, you heard the the ex-coaches sort of trashing him, saying he was the worst third-place hitter he'd ever seen, and also that he hates Seattle and he he thinks he would love to uh, find his way back to New York. So two years into the 10-year deal of Robbie Cano, what do you think the third season is going to look like? I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw at the end of last year. I think we're going to see a guy who's probably going to hit around 300. I think his his power numbers are going to be well down from what he was 
in New York. And it's a guy who you, you mentioned, I think, ironically, that the the Robinson Cano led Seattle Mariners. And I think that's one of his biggest knocks. I don't think he is a leader and where he, I think he should be as the, the guy, the face of the franchise at this point, the guy with the giant contract. He should be a leader in that dugout. And I just don't think it's in his makeup. I think he's a I think he's a relatively selfish player. And I think that he's a, a very talented baseball player. So we're going to see that talent rise in the in the I think he'll be more consistent I, I still think his power numbers are going to be well down though I don't think necessarily he's a selfish player but I think he's a follower so if he has good leadership in place like he did with the Yankees I think he's fine but you're right he can't be a leader um if you had to pick the worst contract in baseball who do you think it ha- has the worst contract if you're if you're uh, today, you know, if you still have this person on the books for their current contract, who's in the worst situation? Simple, and it just happened. <laughs> Chris Davis. Okay, I, I mean, it was so bad. It just happened like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good I, one. I actually didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's it's awful. If you're not talking about Chris Davis, um, I don't know. I mean, the the length of Robinson Cano's contract. We're feeling we're feeling what they're gonna feel. You know, in eight years or whatever it is there uh, with, with the, the back end of, of, of our contracts we're you know, all we are as Yankee fans where we just cannot wait to, to get out from underneath the contracts. Are they, they're still producing, they're still doing pretty well, actually better than we thought. Um, but we want the contracts to go away so we can move on with our lives, I mm-hmm. think. And I think that's how Seattle's going to feel. I agree. I actually think uh, Pujols might be, Worse, just yeah. But Pujols was very productive last year. He was, but it was the first year he was really productive with them, and he's just breaking down so fast. He's a guy that should not have left St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely chased the dollars, and and St. Louis, they're such a good franchise that they knew that they could withstand uh, a a departure. Crazy and. And yeah, it is crazy, and because he was such a dynamic player and such a such a just a. you know, a, a guy that you saw there forever and you thought he was going to be a St. Louis Cardinal for his entire career. It was really, I was really taken aback when he left, actually. He legitimately, if he finished his career with the St. Louis Cardinals, you would have been, you would be arguing he was the greatest player in franchise history. And that's a franchise with a long list of great players. Yeah. I mean, he definitely would have cemented his legacy there. And I think that he, he really soured a lot of St. Louis fans when he did leave. But Whatever they moved on, that 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 franchise is so well run from top to bottom that they were ready for that, and they did. They knew that they didn't have to spend that kind of money. And honestly, I think the St. Louis Cardinals really started a trend with what you're going to start seeing in in some of these successful franchises where they're not putting out the shelling out the giant contracts for these big guys. Because guess what? One guy does not win a championship. But. As far as worst contract goes, Robbie Cano is definitely up there. It's up there, yeah. It's got to be. That's why I'm so happy that we didn't sign him. It seems like the Yankees and the Mariners have had this weird connection over the last few years where they've traded a lot of players, one of those being Jesus Montero. I took a little flashback to 2012 and looked at the top 100 prospects in Major League Baseball as of, I think it was July 2012. And do you know who those three people were? Number I do one, because I'm looking at your notes. <laughs> number one would be Bryce Harper. Number two would be Mike Trout. And then you have Jesus Montero as the third best prospect in Major League Baseball. 
We know he got traded. It seemed to derail his career. He got fat. He was throwing ice cream sandwiches at his first base coach. (laughs) Everything went wrong for the guy. But how the hell do you go from the third best prospect in baseball to he can't even sniff the field in Seattle anymore? Wasn't he getting mad at scouts too? He was like he was, he was having mad arguments. at everybody. He was getting into arguments and people and people in the stands. I think the guy was a scout saying something. Yeah, the the dude definitely uh, definitely fell off. He's not a catcher, that's for sure. Um, so we'll see what he we'll see if he can resurrect. I mean, he's got talent. He always kind of bothered me because he ran on his toes. <laughs> people that run on their people that run on their toes for some reason really bother me, and I can't trust them. Like, <laughs> I really point. I need he your heel. Yeah, I need your heel to hit the ground because that's that's how humans. But, but that's walk how you, and run. you build big calf muscles if you're running your toes. Yeah, it's, it's like he was wearing the Bobby Knight shoes. If uh, this is this may be completely telling my age, but Bobby Knight used to have these shoes with these with like giant platforms on the heels, and you'd wear them, and they looked absolutely ridiculous. But they were, you know, they were supposed to like help your vertical. Oh, like the Kramer shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar, but no, they they were like a spring. It was weird. The the Bobby Knight shoes. Guys who are around my age, thirty five years old, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The Bobby Knight shoes. They were ridiculous. But usually, like the kids that had money in your class, or like they had the Bobby Knight shoes and they thought they were the cool ones. They're the ones that also had the Reebok pumps. But they had the Bobby Knight shoes and they thought they could jump higher and faster than everybody else. So this was like uh, this was all the rage in 1987. Not, no, I was seven years old in 1987. I would say middle school, like it started coming about. So yeah, let's. I'm saying around 90. I'd say it's an early 90s thing. Um, yeah, well, can't say that I remember them. The Mariners also added some depth to their starting rotation. They traded for Wade Miley from the Red Sox and their starting rotation. I actually think is pretty good. Felix Hernandez, King Felix still doing his thing. He's been in the league for like 10 years, but he seems to be only like 27 years old. I don't, I don't know how it's possible, but, um, they also got Iwakuma who they retained Wade Miley, who I just mentioned. And Taiwan Walker, or Taiwan Walker. I am so yep. bad with names. <laughs> I actually think he's going to have a breakout year. Um, yeah, he needs to, he needs to. I mean, they, they've been waiting for his breakout year for a long time. He he got hurt a couple of years ago, I believe. Yeah, and, and kind of stunted or just delayed his uh, his his debut. But he's a guy we've been hearing about for a long time, and he's supposed to be the 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 guy in their organization. He was like their number one stud dude, and he's um, why they were able. He's to supposed trade to be the guy him. that is going to be the the big number two behind King Felix. So we'll see if it actually happens. Yeah, I, I, as I said, he was he was a reason they were comfortable trading away Pineda. So they're waiting for him to break out. He had some some flashes last year, but um, their rotation could actually turn out to be pretty good. They'll probably stumble and fall. We'll see. I mean, look, I think a lot of people. If you look at what the perco- the um, the 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 baseball analysts, the professionals, what they said last year, a lot of the guys took. The Seattle Mariners and and thought they were going to be actually. If you look at the the Bronx pinstripes, uh, if you look at if you look at our projections as well, a few of us had the Mariners in the World Series. But even last year, a lot of people thought they were going to be the team to beat in the American League, and just things just did not pan out. Things did not work out. Obviously, Robinson Cano had a disaster of a first half. The the pitching wasn't what they thought it was going to be, and uh, you know, obviously, Taiwan Walker. Didn't didn't come up and, and make the impact that everybody thought he was. So we'll see. I, I think they have a very similar team. Like you said, they have added Wade Miley. Eh, 
okay. I mean, maybe may, I, I I don't see him more than a 500 pitcher. He might be Ad, okay in that ballpark, though. Yeah, he he could be okay. Adam Lind is a guy that's going to give you stability. I think at first base, he'll probably hit 20 home runs if he stays healthy, and and drive in what 75, 85 home or uh, RBIs. So it's not like a guy that's going to change the the complete dynamic of the team. So I I, I think baseball perspective. Prospectus had it had it very close with them as a second place team. Eighty four wins, I think, is a little much. I don't think uh, I think they'll be right around eighty. Yeah, the West is going to be a weird division. We'll see who shakes out. I feel like a lot of teams are, other than the Rangers, who I think will be pretty good. Uh, the rest of the teams are are all grouped together, and that includes the Astros, who obviously we saw uh, crush the Yankees in that in that playoff game. Um, all right, so uh, you ready to get into a voicemail that we got? Okay, so we got a voicemail. I don't think he mentioned his name, but let's take a listen to that. Hey, love the show. Just uh, wanted to, I don't know, I'm confused about the Rule 5 draft. I was wondering if you guys could explain that on Bronx Pinstripes. I'm just curious. I don't know exactly how that works and all that, and I know you guys are good baseball minds, so you can talk about that. I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, so the Rule 5 draft, how much research did you have to do to figure out all the <laughs> stuff on the Rule 5 draft? You know, I think I think baseball gets confusing for a lot of people when you start talking about when you start talking about, you know, the Rule 5 draft, uh, who what guys are protected, if you sign a free agent, what do you lose as far as terms of draft picks? You know, when when a contract is extended, like what does that mean? What kind of a contract is it? So there's a lot of like back end stuff for baseball that I don't think really is is uh, is in place with a lot of the other big sports. That's that, that can be confusing if you don't really like dive in and know what they and what's going on. And I think a lot of that is because there's there's so many people and so many teams uh, that they have to control it a little bit different. So so yeah, I mean to get to get to actually explain it to somebody, there's definitely some research that had to be done. The nuts and bolts of the Rule 5 draft are that it was put in place to make sure there was parity amongst the league and not one team and one team wasn't stockpiling a bunch of young guys in their system that otherwise could have played in the major leagues. Usually, uh, you you'll find diamonds in the rough where a a team takes a player in the Rule 5 draft and they end up being superstars and we have a couple examples of that. But but the team who had the player taken from them should know if their player is actually really good. And they can take them back, but they have to put them on their roster, their major league roster. Um, so there's a couple you know, sort of back-end things, like, like you were saying, Scott, um, that teams can sort of um, fight with each other. But it um, happens every December, um, and you always hear you know, XYZ was taken in the Rule 5 draft, and nine times out of ten, it was some no-name that you're never going to ever hear from again. Yeah, and basically the, the the gist of this is that, like you said, it's, they're trying to create par- parity. And obviously we know that Major League Baseball has tried to create parity over the past, I don't know, 10 years with, with the luxury tax, with Rule 5. There's there's things that are that are out there to, uh, to, to basically keep the New York Yankees from not buying everybody or, or teams that are spending a lot of money that, that they could they, there's no um, there's no recourse basically for spending a lot of money or in this case for for having a, just a loaded roster and then keeping players in the minor leagues that are ready for major league action in the minor leagues because your roster is so stacked. 
Right, and the player has to have been in the in the minors for some time. They, you know, I think the rules are that if you're signed with the team and you're 19 or older, but you've also been playing in the league for at least four years, then you can be taken. Or if you're you were signed before the age of 18, you have to have been playing pro ball for five years. So it's not like they can pick guys that you know you don't even know what they what you have in them because they have to have been on the on in your system for some time. Oh, absolutely. So your scouts, your 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 minor league coaches, everybody's gotten eyeballs on these guys. They've had time to prove what they are. To you can see what they are. You can move them around. You can do whatever you need to do, poke and prod, and do everything you got to do to these guys to know if they're going to be a contributor on your major league roster at some point. And if they are, well, then you gotta you gotta make sure that they're on the roster at that point, um, or you can lose them. So. Yeah, so it's just it's it's really just a, a way to make sure that these guys, and it's also for the players too, if you think about it, because, I mean, what player wants to be buried in the minor leagues just because of a depth, uh, because the because the major league club wants to hold them back and wait for somebody to retire in right. five years? It's not fair to the player either, so it's also a safeguard for the player that if they earn a spot, they can get to that spot. So I'll, as I was doing some digging on the Rule 5 draft, because I was not smart enough to know all this stuff off the top of my head, I, I knew the general gist of it, but I didn't know all the details. I found a pretty interesting article from Newsday, uh, the top 25 Rule 5 draft players, and I'll include it in the blog so if you want to check it out. But uh, some interesting names were taken in the Rule 5 draft. Roberto Clemente was taken in the 1954 Rule 5 draft. His original team was the Dodgers. Kind of wonder what if the Dodgers had Roberto Clemente after Jackie Robinson? It just would have been like the rich get richer. So pretty interesting that uh, he was originally with the Dodgers. Johan Santana was originally with the Marlins. He was taken in the 1999 Rule 5 draft. Jose Batista was taken in the 2000 Rule 5 draft. He's bounced around a number of times after that, so it's not like he immediately went on to impact his new team. But uh, also Josh Hamilton, this is probably the most famous uh, example recently, was taken in the Rule 5 draft. He had all those issues with Tampa, so he was able to be taken. Um, Everyone knew how good or how talented he was. Um, Yeah, that's an interesting one because Tampa knew that he was still a talented guy. It's just they couldn't really put up with all of the the off-the-field you know, situations that he was putting himself in. And it was basically, a, a, you know, we're just not going to deal with you anymore. So that's an, that was an interesting one just because he's such a stud of a player. It's, it's really a shame what that guy, what happened to that guy as far as just one injuries and, and, you know, abusing substances. Cause he's such a talent. He could have been, he could have been a really, really phenomenal baseball player for a long time. If he had his head on straight. Yeah. Those three years when he put up MVP, like numbers for the Rangers. I mean, that could have been, 15 years. Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, I, I'd say probably one of my top 20 moments. Honestly, it was, a, it was such a fun moment to watch uh, at Yankee Stadium when he went to that home run derby and was just cranking balls, you know, pitch after pitch. Over, I think he did he hit one over. I think he did. I think he hit one over the uh, the the facade, or at least he was up to the facade. Nah, no, it, it was a, he didn't get it wasn't one a Mickey out, Mantle. But- he didn't get one out, but he hit the back wall. It was wall, close. I think. Yeah. So I mean, it was he just put on a display, and Yankee Stadium completely embraced him during it. It was awesome to see. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. That was one of my fo- my favorite home run derbies to watch. And um, yeah, it's just a shame because he was such a freak of an athlete, such a big dude, and the the amount of athleticism and f- how fast he is. He's it's a he's a freak of an athlete. Uh, I would have loved to see him play a full career. So thank you, caller. Definitely. 
leave your name next time so we can give you a shout out. Um, call the voicemail line. 646-480-0342. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, send us a mailbag at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. I'm sure there'll be tons of questions as the season gets closer. We'll, we'll do another mailbag coming up. Hopefully we can get some submissions. Scott, before we get out of here, do you have any last words? I do. I want to thank Rudy Germendez, who was the person that I said that I would come back to, uh, who asked about Bronx Pinstripes and kind of how we started and everything. Uh, I went back and I, saw, I read your tweet again so I could so I could give you a shout. Appreciate you coming on. And if you guys are, are sending in mailbags from the website and we're not talking about it, I'm not seeing them. So um, <laughs> apparently use, he had someone in. And, yeah, apparently he had someone in and it didn't it didn't get to me. I don't know why. But uh, if you're not hearing them, it's because I'm not seeing them. We usually talk about every, everything that comes in. So if, if you don't hear what you're, you you sent in, uh, hit us up. Hit, hit me up on Twitter. Hit Andrew up on Twitter. His, hit us up at Bronx Pinstripes, whatever. But um, we're, we don't usually ignore mailbags uh, that are unless we just talked about it 100 times or anything. So, uh, but, yeah, that's it. I'm excited for another week. we got guys actually showing up for um, this time. People are going to be throwing a ball to hit a ball on TV on Wednesday. Let's go. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.